Hey everybody, my name is Alex and this is Lunchbox Radio. If you have not heard the previous episode, it was a fun episode because it was all about my trip to go see Joe Hayasashi, the lead composer of most of the soundtracks behind the Studio Ghibli movies, specifically Hayao Miyazaki's Studio Ghibli movies. Um, you should definitely go listen to that because it's a great podcast about me loving to go do that. Um, you can also go listen to the Sunday edition before that, which is all about, which is called Branded, but it's all about thinking about the, like, big tentpole, especially big tentpole shonen anime as, less as, like, shows and more as brands. And, um, just to give you an idea of how true that is, um, I've been getting into watch collecting, um, if I'm honest. I'm into watch collecting, is what I'll say. I've got, like, a got a 24 case, and it's already half full. Um, uh, but Seiko, the illustrious and um, well-known Japanese watch, watchmaker, watchmaker brand, actually did, it does a lot of collaboration with their Seiko 5 line with anime like One Piece, Naruto... There's another one I'm missing. But they've done a lot of collaboration, not just with anime, but with brand, what was like anime brands like One Piece and Naruto, and they produce like limited run watches. I actually have my eye on one. I'm not going to say which one because that's just jinxing it. But on that note, um, let's get into what we're talking about today. That's a little show called. Panty and stocking. Now, for those of you who are listening to this and you're like, what the fuck is panty and stocking? Well, rest assured, I'm going to tell you that. But I'm also going to take you on a little trip to the year when panty and stocking was originally airing. And it actually originally aired in the fall of 2010, like, season. And when this show went on the air, it was very controversial for a number of reasons. It was also very controversial when it was dubbed by Funimation for some of the same reasons, some new ones, because you didn't have to read the jokes anymore. We'll get to that in a second. But the idea behind this show highlights something that I actually talked about in my podcast about Abenobashi Shopping Arcade, and... We as American otaku do not really think about all that much. But the idea of an otaku is not just limited to anime fandom. Otaku are also very... They're also otaku are very into, like, American culture. And there's a lot of crossover there, believe it or not. And... The back and forth between Western animation and anime, or Japanese animation, or Eastern animation, or whatever you want to call it, um, is is consistent, although it may not seem like it. For example, the big eyes in anime are often attributed to Bambi, and Osama Tezuka seeing Bambi, and that inspired his look that he gave his work like Astro Boy. That had been that had gone back and forth. Very recently, because of the access that creators who are about who are around my age, which I'm in my thirties, who are around the professional age where they're getting like put in charge of stuff, finally have had to anime growing up. You have seen anime influences in tons of things in thing, in ways that you 
didn't really expect. You see magical girl transformations and things like Steven Universe. You also see JoJo's references and stuff. It, that's because of the ease of access provided by the internet and streaming and all that stuff. But, that does work the other way. And has worked the other way for much longer than it's worked into America, if that makes any sense. For example, just the example from my travels around the world. When I was in um, Morocco, and I stayed in a Riyadh in Fez, which is, if you don't know anything about Fez, Fez is kind of like the Medi- uh, entire city of the Medina from Aladdin, and it's wild. Like, you, you are surrounded on all sides by walls, and you don't see the sky a whole lot. But I was in a Riyadh there, and the, um, I think his name was Yusuf, who became a good friend of mine over the, like, day, over the probably week I stayed there. Yusuf used to sit at the front desk. He was, a, he was an attendant for the Riyadh. He used to sit at the front desk with, like, an old laptop open, and he used to just watch Tom and Jerry. Now, for you or I, Tom and Jerry is like an ancient cartoon. And, and for, for me, it's a classic because I grew up watching Tom and Jerry. Like, Tom and Jerry was on infinite reruns on Cartoon Network and things of the like when I was a kid. So I've, I've probably seen most of Tom and Jerry. Um, I was still a kid when the Tom and Jerry movie came out and they talked for the first time. And that was super fucking insane. Um... But the, like, the novelty hadn't worn off. And sure enough, like, you looked at, you looked kind of around Fez and you saw, like, ads featuring Tom and Jerry, all of this stuff. Like, it was a, it's a popular cartoon there, probably still. Um, where here it's like an old classic that's been reinvented and recreated constantly. There they have Tom and Jerry, the original cartoon from like when my mom was when my parents were um, young and apparently when I was young thank you syndication or reruns but that's to say that American culture has always traveled out and influenced the rest of the world and influenced the way the world tells stories in the same way that the world's culture has come into America and influenced the way we tell stories. The difference is we don't always like it when we see it when we see that mirror reflect back on us. And and sometimes it's a matter of like the um American centric episode of Abinabashi, where they are intentionally doing a send up of like very specific and weird Ameri- like American things. Like they have like a they have like a Elvis they have like an Elvis impersonator. They have this hilarious like church exorcist thing that happens in that thing. I actually put I actually it's probably the most viewed, the most viewed thing on my TikTok, but I put um, you can check it out over on TikTok on at at Snackbox Tangu, but um, it's, it's probably the most popular video I've ever posted on TikTok. Is the like it's a Mr. Kohei as Elvis impersonator, um, and then the shining twirl and puke scene, um, parody that actually was done by this same studio. Studio Gynax, and probably some of the same people worked on that as worked on this. And that, and like, people see that as hilarious. But when Penny and Stocking originally aired in fall 2010, it was really unpopular. It was, people were upset. People got their panties, pun intended, in a bunch over this thing. And one of the reasons why is because this wasn't... This... This wasn't, like, a parody of... This wasn't attempting so much to be a parody of 
an American cartoon in as much as it was attempting to draw serious inspiration from an American cartoon and then shove that inspiration through the fucked up what probably would become trigger like process and and have it come out on the other side as panty and stocking with Scarabell. Now what does that mean? What that means practically is you get this thing that is has a very has a huge awareness of like sex and sexuality is extremely profane at least in the um in the uh, English dub of it that um, Funimation did when Funimation was still its own entity, um, which we'll get to. We'll get to what they did with the dub. But Penny and Stocking was, and still is, kind of a giant sex joke done in kind of the house style of something almost like the Powerpuff Girls did a little bit of cocaine and like went to party so the the, the basic premise of Penny Stocking is you have the two sisters Panty and Stocking Anarchy and their names are like Panty Anarchy and Stocking Anarchy and they're angels that have been cast out of heaven and they work alongside three characters really there is a character named Chuck, who is a straight-up, like, all-but-one-for-one inspiration character from Gurr from Invader Zim. There's a character named Garterbelt, who is, like, a black exploitation priest. Like, a kinky black exploitation priest. And then there is this, like, little high school nerdling character named Brief, who... I'll touch on later. And with those, and with Chuck is usually around to get killed once an episode, kind of like Kenny, kind of like he's a cross between Gurr from Invader Zim and Kenny from um, South Park. And he's usually there for a visual gag, and then he dies, and then like everybody moves on, um, or to be abused or whatever. But Panty stocking are defeating ghosts, which are essentially like almost like a play, almost like a com- comedic take on Evangelion angels, but they're very monster of the week and they're very themed on some kind of depravity. Does that make any sense? Um, at, to get heaven coins so they can get back into heaven. And you're like, why were they cast out of heaven? It's really not important, but also, when I say these two are absolute fucking assholes, they're absolute fucking assholes. The only person who's not an asshole, the only character of the, like, main cast who's not an absolute piece of shit is Brief, and he's really there to play the straight man for the most part, um, because everybody else literally, like, assholes all the way down. So... They give you a really quick understanding of these characters. And they give Panty and Stocking, both of them, each a one-dimensional trait moment. So, for Panty, it's that she is a massive slut. And I, I say that in the spirit of the show. Like, Pan, if, like, if it walks around and has a dick, Panty will try and mount it. I, I'm being serious. And stocking and Panty is like stylized almost like a blonde, blonde, flat chested, high end model. But drawn in, once again, the style almost of like a Powerpuff Girls. Um, and then there is stocking who is this like. Very rude, very ill-tempered. Both of them are very ill-tempered. Goth girl, goth chick, who like carries around a like patchwork stuffed animal, and she is obsessed with sweet food, like obsessed with like sugary dessert food. 
and sugary and like put sugar in a tea the whole nine. And they both have like tremendously bad tempers. And this was true and this was true in the um, sub and it's more true in the dub. You rarely get a chance to um, do dubs in this way. Um, and you rarely get a chance where you get a dub where it's inviting a kind of like insanity that you see in something like Ghost Story. The more recent example was my first girl. My first girlfriend was a gal. I remember. I vividly remember this cause, because the actual vo- one of the voice actors from the show replied to me about it. Um, like DM'd me about it. I like the tweet. I tweeted on my um. I tweeted. My heart goes out to the guy who has to say cuck into a microphone for my girlfriend, did a, my first girlfriend was a gal. And like the a voice actor for a different character was like, yeah, that was real good. We, we all had fun with that. We all just kind of looked at him like, oh, you're going to have to do this. And he's like, God damn it. Um, I think even that voice actor like replied to that tweet later. But... That stuff like that stand out so much because you get so little of that where it's approved. Um, there's a story that circulates around around about um, the release of Prince of Monoki that is true. Um, because when they released Nausicaa and um, when they released Nausicaa, when they purchased rights for Nausicaa from Studio Ghibli and released it in America, they edited 20 minutes out of that film and called it a different thing and like gave it a weird ass poster um when the time came to license and release Prince Monoki and I didn't know this until recently I didn't know who the thing was sent to they sent a samurai sword to the head of Miramax who at the time was Harvey fucking Weinstein with a note that just said, no cuts. Which is like the most badass thing. And my point of giving you that fun story from Studio Ghibli just being absolute nightmares to, to their licensees is that these dubs, all these dubs, have to be approved. And it's rare that you get an opportunity to do something like Ghost Stories. And if you don't know the Ghost Stories dub, type in Ghost Stories dubbed into YouTube and you will get the most insane dub job just perpetrated by mankind. Like, probably... Uh, and probably panning stocking it in the same realm. It's worth watching dubbed. It's up on um, Crunchyroll dub now, actually. But... What they did with the dub to this is actually not that far off from what the subtitled version was. But it it captures it better captures the air of what the creators behind this were going for when they made it. And the proof of and the proof of concept of this entire show, I think, is in I think it's episode six, and is so up until episode six of Panning Docking, you have like a very traditional old school Powerpuff Girls, like late nineties early two thousand style cartoon where the episodes are split into two, and each episode is its own thing. It's like its own contained, like, little vignette. And what that, what that does, what that allows the, t- the people, the creators behind this to do, and that, from Studio Gainax, is it allows them to pu- A, pump these things full of references. Like, you get title cards for each episode. You get a middle piece end card for the first, like, half. So they can, like, put in, like, 
references to the Beatles, references to the Blues Brothers, references to all this American iconography and pop culture that you wouldn't otherwise get. They also put references all throughout the entire show, like I said. Garibald is clearly like a black exploitation character, like plucked from his from his genre and put into this shit, and it's hilarious. It's almost black dynamite esque, actually. But um, doing all that allowed them to like have a lot of fun. And make this big, weird, very gross-out humor, very much like women-led sex jokes, constantly. Like, Penny and Stocking are clearly family, but they are clearly do not get along by default. <laughs> Pen- Penny is like a total, is, like I said, is a total slut. And Stocking endlessly goes after her for this. Like, just calls her a whore, calls her a hooker, calls her loose constantly. And in the dub, that's really apparent. In, in the um, original subtitle for Night is Apparent. But in the dub, they can go a mile a minute and they can go really hard on it. It's really the difference between... The Yu Yu Hakusho sub, subtitle version, which is fine, and the Yu Yu Hakusho English dub, which is like a work of art. It is like, it's a work of art in like the quips that like Hiei constantly lobs at Kuwabara. It is a, it is like a work of art in the way that like Kuwabara and Yusuke talk to each other. The Panty and Stocking English dub has that same quality. And it does the same thing for Panty and Stocking that Yu showed the English dub did for it. And that kind of like rude and crude attitude to that dub, of course. Like, raised every flag in the book. Offended the shit out of people. And, like, this show is, like, built to offend people. It's built to offend people in much the same way South Park is. The first episode of this show is them fighting a shit demon. I'm not kidding. And, like... They do things like they do traditional stop animations every time the demons explode. They... The whole thing, once again, is in that old school, like, mid-90s, early 2000s, Hanna-Barbera-esque Powerpuff Girl style. But then they do cutaways. So first thing gives you a hint that this is going to be... Like, they know what they're doing is... The cutaway for the Magical Girl transformation sequence, which is also... Magical Girl Angel Strippers, I'm not kidding, in the first episode. And they do that once, and you see what the actual, like, unfettered designs of panning stocking are, and you're like, holy fuck. They can only do this because they're spending this budget on, like, this, like, less than couple seconds piece of animation in this whole episode. And then they don't do it again for a while. And then we get to episode six. And so the entire time you've been focusing in in on this very specific city, on this fictional city called Dotton City. And they for episode six, you don't you almost you almost don't at all see panning stocking at all. They also don't cut the episode in the middle and show you two different stories. It's all one continuous story, and it takes place in this, like, absolute shithole of a city, as if Dotton City did not seem insane enough. 
called Little Tokyo that they call Little Tokyo in the um in the dub. And the whole thing looks like a production IG looks like the music video that they produced for production IG in for, for Lincoln Park. And it's like all depressing and drab and sketchy but still really technically sound. And this episode is what is showing you they know what they're doing. And they're about to like kick ass and take names at it in a different way yet even after this. So after that episode they introduce the kind of like two main antagonist characters. Character named Scanty and Nisox. And they are like devil sisters that are the complete opposite of Panty and Stocking. Where Panty and Stocking are like rude and sloppy and assholes and like hate each other. Scanty and Nisox are polite strict, love each other, and, but also, like, pitched as being very evil. So, like, you have these, like, and after that, they do go back to, like, a slice in the middle two-part episode thing, but it's a very, it's a much more conscious deal. And... The other thing I should say about this show is that it's it's totally profane. A, a, it's, a, it's totally profane. B, it is the kind of etchy that is saved by the style that it's done in. They have a they have an episode that is essentially one big cum joke. That's just one big like dick and sperm joke. It's... Even now, having seen it twice, I, when it, when it, like, that episode came on, when I, like, click play on that episode, I was just like, oh my god. They were asking for the dub jokes they do in this episode. They were, they were, they were, like, storyboarding up to the line of this episode and then they did this episode and it's such a on one level it's such a like oh haha 14 cum jokes but on another level it's like you gotta appreciate the artistry you gotta appreciate the fact that like a bunch of people sat down and they were like no if we're gonna do this we're gonna fucking do this we're not going to beat around the bush one of the things that um, everybody accuses, accuses HBO shows like Game of Thrones of doing is being all about sex and violence and maybe sometimes mixing sex with violence. But if, you watch, if you've been watching um, Dragon, um, House of the Dragon, which is a Game of Thrones prequel that's going right now, um, the, in the most recent episode... The, the, like, King character really struggles and ultimately doesn't marry a 12-year-old. And the reality is, like, marrying children is something that happened in, like, the time period depicted by Game of Thrones. And the original Game of Thrones had King Joffrey, Prince Joffrey, all of that shit. And, like, Prince Joffrey had a very unokay relationship with an adult woman, I think his mother, if my memory serves. And that was not uncommon. It was also not right, but it was just not uncommon. It was like a thing that happened. And the interesting thing about House of the Dragon, other than the absolute atrocious wigs on that show, Seriously, even I'm like, that hair don't look right. <laughs> um, is you have a character with really 
a really modern understanding of right and wrong in the driving in the driver's seat of the kingdom in that show. You have a character who understands that it would be politically expedient for him to take a wife and to take a wife of somebody from his court but doesn't want to do it with the 12-year-old, so he picks the seven, the, like, the, like, full-on late teens teenager instead because he sees the opening and it may fuck him up in the end, but he's made the right 2022 moral decision. And that makes you read it that way. That's a very specific choice that that show made. What Panty and Stocking is doing is it's saying, no, like, we're going to do this. These girls are going to be shitbags through and through. You know, like, Garbelt calls them bitches because they kind of are. They're not good people. And, like, to make characters like that and then to commit to that and to recognize that as main character material will always rub some people the wrong way. And in the case of this show, that kind of, like, swagger that it has, plus the very American-inspired style, was enough to, like, just rub people the wrong way. It was not what people were looking for from that studio, those creators, the medium of anime, and it really upset people. But the thing that you don't really realize until you look at it 20, uh, until you look back at it with 2020 hindsight, is that there's so many pieces in this show that are, that would come out later in Studio Trigger saying. Think, um, also I should note that this, this was, released shortly after the original airing of um, Gurren Lagann, which is a masterpiece of a show. So, like, people were not ready for this to be the next thing, so to speak. But if you look at things even leading up to Panty and Stocking, if you look at something like Fooly Cooly, which people love, it's got a lot of that same style of humor and a lot of that same, like, awareness of sexuality that Panty Stocking does just tone down slightly. If you look at stuff after Panty and Stocking and you look at like the character types of like scanty and knee socks, you look at like then you go and you look at something like Kill a Kill and you look at um at um at Sasuke that's a very similar one-to-one. You look at some, at, at the, like, exploding out of their closeness of Kill a Kill. And you look at the underwear run episode of Panty and Stocking. There's a lot of similarities there. These concepts continued on even though this show couldn't. And this show was very much intended to have like six seasons like they had enough they had enough like little moment seeds of ideas they could have done this for six more seasons and it it just wasn't popular enough because people weren't ready for it and people were it did not fit the brand of what people wanted out of the brand of Gynax and if you look at Trigger versus Gynax, even though Trigger is a lot of ex, is a huge amount of ex Gynax people, you see that Trigger is very much about doing its own thing, making what it wants to make. Yes, they do take things like Cyberpunk, like the new Cyberpunk a- adaptation, that should be starting soon. Um, but they also do things like brand new animal. They do things like Kill a Kill. They do things like Promare, which are about the things they want to make stuff about. And like 
the same kind of like lewd humor that they used to make panties docking is the base of humor that they used a little bit in Kill a Kill. Kill a Kill is just a very different show than Panty and Stocking, but you can see the connective tissue pretty clearly. In the animation techniques, in some of the characterization, in some of the scenes. And the kind of bottom line of this show is, is that people's reaction to it ultimately tells you more about the people than the actual show because what this show is is it is a like heightened version of just like girls being shitbags to each other and other people in ways that like people are not prepared for people do not want out of their waifus people do not want to know for a fact that like I don't know a character like... People don't want to know for a fact that a waifu fucks other guys all the time. People don't want to know that. But what this show did is said, no, we're going to make the character Panty just... down to... to down to fuck 24-7 at all times. And people, like... And then they give... And then they kind of give the fans stalking. But stalking's just as bad. Like, stalking will not like you. Stalking is not, like, a tsundere. She's straight up just a bitch and hates people. <laughs> and prefers that you would be dead to talking to her. Or obsessing over her. Now, the one bone I will say they did throw with this show is the, like, high-res versions of Panty and Stocking are very appealing and very classical, very classically, like, anime goth Lolita angel looking. And if I had to say that this show had, a, like, a massive downfall, it's that when they tried to kind of like wrap it up and put a nice little bow on it it doesn't feel quite right I mean it never loses its humor but it doesn't it doesn't play the same way because the, the downside the, there are upsides and downsides to having a lot of content and the to having a big long long stream of content that you can create the upside is you always have another idea the downside is, if that gets cut off, you need to have an idea of what to do with it later. Of what to do with those characters and that story and that world. Or else it all has to kind of rush, rush to an end and fall apart along the way, if that makes any sense. So they originally had in their heads, like, we could do six seasons of this. This could be a payday. And then nobody fucking wanted it because it would not... It would not... The anime fandom at large was not where it needed to be to, like, get it on this level. And as a result, they had to cut it short. They didn't get six seasons in a movie. It got 13 episodes. There is no more. I think there was a special that they produced, but that's about it. There was no more room for any for anything else. So what they do is they have something that they could have developed that they could have taken the time to develop, and they're trusting you like reading the tea leaves in that like like brief the like nerdy character I touched on, who's a kind of a side character. He's not even really a love interest for Panty. He's more of a, oh, you you seem to have a big dick. Um, and they make that point. They're like, oh, Brief got, Brief got th that good big dick energy. 
Um, even though he doesn't really think about it that way. And so they just kind of, like, use him as a plot point in the very end. Because they needed a way to end the show. And I... I'm not surprised that Panion's docking was not popular. And I remember it being very unpopular because it was, once again, the fandom was not there... The fandom was not in the place it needed to be to appreciate this thing. I Part of the reason why I considered doing it now was... I hope that it is now. I hope that people look at Panty's docking and they're like... Oh, that show. I should go watch that show. Should I should go check that show out again. Maybe I've got a better opinion of it. And come out of it like... That thing is wild. That thing is... Like, even if I don't appreciate it, that thing is wild and awesome. Because that's really what it is. And that lack of ability to continue and their lack of a plan to, like, cut it off at the knees really hindered its ending. And that's really, that, that's the big, kind of, big sad feeling of it. Because it, in its commitment to the bit, in its commitment to, like, what a Powerpuff Girls with fetish, with like, with like, fetish bait just like injected into it whole hog. It really like kicked that. So like, a perfect example. Where panting stocking are like, angelic, like, got like, goth Lolita, white angel strippers with like, a very melodic, but still kind of like soft house techno beat behind them in their transformation sequence. They have a transformation sequence for Penny and Neestock. And they're straight up like black leather, black lace, full on succubus hookers. And they get like the hardest, dirtiest, grungiest fucking techno. And they're backing. And, like, everything's backlit with red and black and, like, purple lighting. And... This show, in its, like, excess, shows you how much control that these creators have. And shows... And ultimately shows you how much control over these kinds of concepts that Trigger would go on to have at the time. And, like I keep saying, it's a shame that it was not more popular so they couldn't swing at least another season. And it's also a shame that, like, this show did not premiere in the era of... It, in the era of streaming that we have now. And what I mean is, if you get a show on Netflix, unless you are really fundamentally fucked, I mean, like, live-action Cowboy Bebop fucked up. And we don't know. Cowboy Bebop could still get a second season. You get two seasons of a show. And that has changed now that Netflix has subscriber loss issues and, like, the world of streaming is changing and fucking itself over, a la something like Netflix or HBO Max. But for the, for the large part, if you get approved, you get approved for two seasons. Simply because they need content to fill the pipeline. Panty and Stocking would have been a perfect moment for that. Partially because of something that happened with um, poor interspecies reviewers, which is currently in license limbo. If you go looking for the steel box that I just have, uh, I haven't looked recently, but... Um, Last I saw, it was hovering around $500 for this thing. I'm going to check again and probably let you know. But, um, the, the people who made that, the team behind Panning Stocking, it's very clearly, very clear-eyed on what they're making. They know what they're doing. And if they took this pitch to a 
streaming network and that stream network was like, yeah, make this thing, they would not have disappointed. It would not have been an interspecies reviewers issue where they're like, oh, shit. And this, the thing that this dub does is it lets you know how big of a departure interspecies reviewers was. And that's the thing no one's realizing. It's like, I'm pretty, like, the fact that a show like Ryoran Samurai Girl can exist is, like, a testament to anime's tolerance for, like, it's for the, for the anime licensing scheme and industry in America's tolerance for anime as an art form and as, like, an art form that had some real fetishes to it and had some real, like, opinions. Because you can go watch that show on um, High Dive right now. You can watch any number of fairly lewd and insane, including Panty and Stocking, things on Crunchyroll. I, the correct response, the objectively correct in terms of the art of it response, the interspecies reviewer nightmare, is it's art, go fuck yourself. Like, are you offended by this art? I apologize. It's art. Go fuck yourself. I don't care if it's offensive. It's art. Go fuck yourself. But the reality of it is that, and this is, I talked about I talked I talked about this with the right stuff deal that happened and the fact that they are shuttling off um, all eighteen plus quote-unquote mature content to a separate site called arrowanime.com, which is still not up yet, which I find very fucked up for a bunch of reasons. And it's the reason why Aerospecies Reviewers is, like, trading at, um, high prices on eBay currently. Um, it's that Companies do not like doing business with other media companies that have a finger in porn because of the implications of, like, abuse and child porn and all that other stuff that could happen on, on those platforms. And up until Rice Stuff got bought, Rice Stuff's thing was like, is it being produced? We will license it. We will license it for distribution. And if you have a problem with it, fuck you. It's art. We're not going to be the ones who start calling balls and strikes on this bullshit. And Panty and Stocking is very much in that scenario. It is very much like they're telling sex jokes, but they're also, this is a bunch of people making art they're proud of. <laughs> And this shows um, the show's kind of ethos is like, listen, we're gonna we're gonna make this shit. We're gonna we're, like we're gonna be the people tell each joke. We're gonna go there, and we're. Something like South Park is largely applauded for it because no one was expecting it out of the place it came of the people it came out of. Everybody looked at Paint Dog and was like, What the fuck is this? No. And I just wanted to highlight the show because it's really fun and it's really it's a good time. It's a good, weird, fun time. Especially if you've never seen it and you're like, what is he talking about? This thing sounds insane. It is as insane as I make it sound. But it's a fun time. So if you have the opportunity, definitely go check it out. And um, before I go, just so you have an idea, the used steel box, which would be something like what I have, is currently trending on eBay used but $300 for 
for $345.55. The same steel blocks you can buy from Amazon for $185. But I don't... My question is now in the Amazon thing. There's only four of those left, so if like you want one of those, go goddamn get it, cause Jesus. Um, and it's just become this like weird out of out of print thing that's hard to that is hard to obtain because of corporate merger. But on that note, um, fighter, you know, multi-pack with redo of healer to be a true person of class. On that note, I have been, this, I am Alex, this has been Lunchbox Radio. If you like this episode, I encourage you to tell your friends about it, to subscribe to it in whatever app you're using to listen to me right now, um, since we are very close to 100,000 listens. I can taste it. Um, and, um, like I said, share, share the podcast with your friends, share it on social media, um, give us a five-star review in your podcast app of choice. It really helps discoverability of the show. On that note, I've been Alex. This has been Lunchbox Radio. And I will talk to you on Sunday. <laughs>